0: The beauty, the beauty of all of this is, I have spreadsheets for everything. I'm gonna build, I will build a model. It's gonna spit out whatever it spits out, and then my wife is gonna tell me what we're gonna do. Yeah, your model doesn't matter at all. You're buying a house. This podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends, Skippy and Dougles, that like to debate about investing. Content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only, not investment advice. You should do your own research and consult a financial professional
1: before using any of the information in this podcast, and especially before investing. Now I finally get to open my pop tarts.
0: Tell oh, me the brown. brown. Tell, tell me it's brown oh, sugar.
1: No, strawberry. Uh, classic. And look, these are <laughs> these are healthy pop tarts. These aren't real Pop-Tarts. These are Nature's Path Organic Pop Tarts. So like, so much better for you. That's not even a pop tart. <laughs>
0: Does that mean instead of uh, twelve days of sodium, it has three days of sodium?
1: <laughs> I think like six, seven. How are you? I'm good, man. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Before we hop into the fishbowl, I'm
0: going to do one one small update. Uh, China Mobile was crazy this week.
1: Yeah, wait. Do you still own it? That was actually the one thing on my agenda. I forgot about China Mobile. <laughs> no,
0: I, I don't. So here, as I what I mentioned last time we talked was that I'm just going to like see it through because it's a small percent. I'm just curious as to like what it's going to do. So that was my plan. And then Monday morning, I just, I logged in to just take a look at what was going on. Cause I was curious. I was like, this thing could drop 30%. I, like, I have no idea, but I'm curious as to what yeah. could occur. So it was down like 5%, which wasn't as much as it probably should have been given that it was going to be delisted, but alas. And uh, the reason I sold was because when I logged into my brokerage account, I put in CHL, the ticker, and it said not found. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so so then the only way I could get to it was to go into my, like, which is not, this is not a lot of effort, but to go into my portfolio, click into it. And it said yeah. like, cannot be traded. And so I just, I kind of went, okay, I'm going to get rid of it. Cause I like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Right. Like that's a, so, uh, so anyway, so, so I sold it right then there's the reversal of the New York Stock Exchange saying, we're not gonna delist it. So then it goes, it goes back up about 10%. Yeah. Then the New York Stock Exchange forgot what it said the day before and came out and said, actually we will delist it. So it goes back down. That was, that was the last that the NYSE said, right? Then yesterday it goes up 5%, which is just confusing. Like it's only like how how are it, how's anyone clamoring into a stock that is going to get delisted in three days?
1: I think you're smarter than this. Like, okay, you know what happened this week? I'll get the name wrong, and I should, as I said before, we're light on fact checks on this podcast, but this is actually true. Uh, there's a stock called Signal, I think, that Elon Musk was pitching, and people went and bought the wrong ticker and sent something up. Like, I don't know. 50% that isn't even the tip that Musk was giving them. Um, people are not rational. This happens all the time. So why exactly China Mobile's up on Friday? I don't know, but I'm not surprised by it.
0: Well, so, so there's one yes with signal with one. I'm going to, I'm going to fact check you for one moment there. Everything qualitative you said about signal is true. Yeah. However, it actually went up 1100%. There we it, went go. Up, it went up 12 X in two days. Um, I was trying to underestimate it. I would Yeah. (laughs) Like 50% would be okay. You know, some people I got in and the same thing happened when zoom went public. Like I remember that as well. So I I get that stocks go up when people buy it. Right. I mean, that's, that's the way I just going out to to brass tacks stocks go up when people buy it in three days and really just one business day. Like I'm counting the weekend here. (laughs) So in three days, no one will be allowed to buy it. So you you are you're trading on so it's going to be over the counter. So I'm
1: yeah. It's not, it's yeah, not that it's, no one
0: will be. However, actually
1: no, that's that's the hypothesis here. So if I had done uh, like a true quantitative analysis and felt there was value there, um, I don't really care where it's traded. Like over the counter could be just fine. And actually, in some ways, over the counter is a little more. Uh, it's not better, but you can argue that there's advantages because it's a little less crazy. Um, so there, that could be the whole reason it's up 5%. People see some advantages of going to OTC. That that's
0: interesting. Cause it, that does get me thinking. So it, uh, right now it's at roughly a six to 7% dividend yield, assuming that, I don't know, assuming that stays the same, right. And it, it's already, uh, does it not, I don't know how that, no, that, that should be the same. Okay. So if that's the same, um, it's already relatively low volume stock like in the US, at least in small US. percent, so it's, it's relatively low volume, if you assume that over the counter, it gets even less volume, then are you just saying this is basically gonna roughly stay at the same price, and I'm gonna get a guaranteed seven percent Are people that smart? Are we going back to the, the zoom and signal purchasers?
1: So if you feel like the financials are sturdy enough to keep the dividend, you don't have to worry about the dividend with over the counter. like it doesn't matter where it's traded. If they've committed to pay that dividend, they should continue to pay that dividend, right? Um, the the price movement—it's not necessarily a like the price isn't going anywhere. The price can go up three hundred percent, down three hundred percent OTC, right? Like it it still trades. It's just going to be less traded. And I know because I'm a small value guy. Like I know a bunch of people that trade OTCs um, all the time. There's some people that only target OTCs and you just have to be smarter about how you trade it you just have to have like stop orders and limit orders in to say you know what's the current price of the stock uh it's about 27. i mean so you could have a a sell order in at 45 and you might you might just have that in all the time and you might wake up one day like two years from now and someone might buy it at 45 you know um and you can do the reverse on the flip side but yeah, it's just a much less liquid market, but otherwise it's similar. Like, it's not the same. I'm not saying OTC is a great thing, but it's not the death of the stock either. I mean, this is like 2010, 2011, but I think I made a ton of money on Freddie Mac, and I think it was OTC. It, OTC shouldn't really scare you away if you still love the stock. I, I, thought, it
0: was a, I thought it was a good investment on, as we talked about, 5G um, and with its dividend yield, and I thought it had some, some price upside love would be aggressive. All right. So now let's, let's dive into the fishbowl. You ready? Yes. The first item in the fishbowl, it's going to be a little bit of a quiz for you. Okay. I love it. Okay. A little bit of a quiz. Uh, so I think you're familiar. Forbes comes out with a list of the world's richest people, right? The billionaires list comes out every year, right? Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's been coming out for 35 years. So this is the this is gonna be the 35th one that's about to hit the, the bookshelves in a couple months now. Um magazine shelves, whatever the internet, whatever it hits. So it's it started in 1987. Question number one How many people have been at the number one ranking on this list since
1: 1987? In 35 years. Uh seven. Eh. Okay, well, so Gates, Musk, Bezos. Hold on. No, no, no. No, now
0: you're going now. You're going ahead. You're going ahead. Because my second my, my second question was going to be, how many of them can you name? But
1: it's six. You yeah, yeah. we actually
0: were pretty close, but I still give you an ant eh. That's
1: ridiculous. I was so close. And then it's, hold on, I'm not done naming them. Hold on. Uh, so, let's go back. I'm gonna see how many of the six. How many of the okay, six? Gates, musk. Although I don't know if they're giving musk credit yet, because that just happened. Uh Buffett Bezos. Uh some dude from India one time and that's all i got okay so you got a couple you got a couple oh come on um which was disappointing to be to be to
0: be frank um so there have been there have been six and and the reason i'm bringing this up is because elon musk uh just this past week um went from last year's list i think he was like around number 25 in the world and he just passed bezos to be number one however you have to remember. This is not like who is number one at any point in time throughout the year. It's when they like on the list, when they um, they publish it, who's number one? There have been six people. This is 1987 when they first came out. So tell me what country you believe the first two are
1: from. I mean, is it like a Russian oligarch or something? I I don't know, man. Seven. This is just, oh, you you, like
0: you hurt my investor soul is what you do. (laughs) Come on, 1980 What was happening in nineteen eighty-seven in the global markets? Man, uh, crashes. I don't know. Yeah, what what was crashing? Black what was Friday. The, all right. So this is a little history lesson, which I thought was going to be just for our listeners, but apparently is also for one of our hosts as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, so what was you what know was how I in nineteen eighty-seven?
1: So basically,
0: <laughs> there was in the nineteen seventies. Right, we had. Uh, stagflation, a lot of the oil uh, crisis yeah. situation, a lot going on in 1987, or sorry, in, in the 1970s. However, in the 1970s, there was there was one market in the in the world that was going rip roaring, and that also continued through the 1980s. So then, some sort of commodity, and then fell apart in the late 1980s, and that is Japan, and the Japanese real estate market specifically. When you get into the light, the late 1980s was like out of control, like a now, do not fact check any part of this, but one inch of Tokyo was worth all of Manhattan.
1: Okay, this is brilliant because this is one of the things that we're going to talk about today or maybe next week. Like the, when you talk about the inflated market hypothesis in the US right now, you have Japan to look at and what happened to Japan in the late 80s and then how the stock market did nothing. Well, there's a strategy that worked in Japan that entire time that will work in the US in coming years. Um, that's gonna crush it so i can, love that can, you we, can we get Japan. back to this can we yeah, get back we to get this because i want i want
0: to hear about this add it to the fishbowl so <laughs> um okay yeah so the first two were japanese they were japanese real estate people uh, i'm gonna butcher these names but uh yoshiaki Sutsumi was the first uh takichiro mori was the second so those are the first two how
1: much Didn't... time have you spent in tokyo that's an amazing pronunciation
0: dude um, as you can tell by that, I spent exactly, actually, I was going to say zero, zero time in Tokyo, but if you count, um, a layover that I had at Narita airport
1: at one point, I've spent a few hours. That counts. I'm going to Tokyo this year as soon as I get my vaccine. So are you, a, are you going to the Olympics? Uh, no, actually I might not go to Tokyo if it coincides with the Olympics. Hopefully after that nonsense. You
0: don't, you don't want, you don't want that this year. No, no, I want that. No. Um, all right. So this is the first two. Then you got Gates and Gates was basically he he ran that list from 1995 Mm -hmm. until 2008. Yeah. So he he was on top of the list for 13 years. Then you get uh, Warren Buffett, who had it for one year. Yep. So he had it for one year. The crash then took out Berkshire Hathaway stock effectively. And then you had this is this is one that once you hear it, you're going to go, oh, yeah. How did I miss this? Then you have my boy. You ready? My boy Your Carlos,
1: boyfriend. Carlos Slim, then came in for a hot minute. You remember that? Is so. That's the dude that I was. What's is he like? A, what's his story? Because he has some massive monopoly somewhere
0: in the he world. Own Mexico. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think the his number one holding, I think, was called like America Mobile or something like that, it was a cell phone. That's company. right. No, um, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Carlos Slim had it for a hot minute. Uh, then you, he gave it back to Gates for a bit. So Gates has held this for the most amount of time, 17 years in total, I think, or more, something like that. So he's held it for the most amount of time. He gave it back to Gates. Then you, then you got our current reigning champion of Jeff Bezos, who's had it since like 2017. Yeah. So if Musk can hold on to this spot, i.e. if Tesla, the Tesla bubble like, continues to build for another couple months, we'll have our seventh and then you'd be correct so I don't know if you're a soothsayer or a QAnon shaman or what however if you have if you if you have him stick it out for two more months then you'll have your number seven and you will also be right with Musk we shall see
1: very few of those people like did it in a way that I'd want to emulate well one I don't want to be that wealthy just like I don't want to be the president of the U.S. and and everything else but like uh musk is it's a lotto ticket i mean i'm not claiming that the guy isn't i don't know smart or something but i'm not trying to emulate pretty much anything he does um when you say lotto ticket what do you mean there he is personally worth more than exxon mobil, the company right exxon mobil, which used to be standard oil which was the for, exxon mobil in its history if you do that list uh instead of with people, instead of stocks, like ExxonMobil or Standard Oil is one of the dominant players of the last 120 years in the world's stock market, right? The value of Tesla is not anywhere close. I mean, it's not even in the ballpark. It's not even 10x of what the true value of that company is. Oh, You're talking inflation adjusted if you look at Standard Oil back in the day? Is that what you mean? No, no. I, so sorry, I'm talking multiple concepts are one current market cap of ExxonMobil is less than Elon Musk personal wealth. So that's point one, set that aside Two, how Musk is worth that much is simply because people are freaking crazy. And they have no idea about the true value of Tesla. They're off by at least a factor of 10 in my eyes. And it will come down and crash. And I freaking hate that for the indexing I do in some retirement accounts, I actually was forced to buy Tesla at 10 times more value than it's actually worth. And I'm going to ride that crash all the way down. Um, It pisses me off. Bezos is less of a lottery ticket, but uh, Bezos and even Gates uh both very smart people and i think gates is is incredibly um impressive and admirable bezos i think that can be debated um but i don't think bezos is an evil dude like uh like some other people we know but uh so bezos what right he's a quantitative investor he worked at de Shaw, and you might know more of the background than me so fill this in but um the reason he started amazon uh you're the history dude i'm sure you know all this so fact check me here it he didn't like books or anything. He was like, Hey, I see this problem, and there's 3 million books that people want to consume, and no physical bookstore can hold that. So, books is a perfect place for me to build my online empire, right? And so, he starts in books and then he does everything else. He's incredible with capital allocation, which is what a CEO should do. And he's been rewarded for that by being the world's richest person. He's incredible at building a company. Um, the people I know that work at Amazon don't always love it. Like, it seems pretty cutthroat as a culture but that's another side so bezos might be the most calculated he's more calculated than gates in terms of i want this uh massive incredibly valuable company and with that comes personal wealth i think um so bezos deserves a lot of credit and it's not like musk is like i'm a big idea guy and it just so happens that i'm gonna fool people into fool people who don't know better into thinking that my company's way more valuable than it actually is. Bezos is not that, right? Bezos, it's a very calculated plan, and he's done an incredible job growing Amazon. But you don't create a company that's the largest in the world or in the top tier without some luck and some lotto ticket aspects to it, right? There's not a formula there, regardless of your passion and desire, that says, I can make a company that's bigger than Walmart ExxonMobil, everyone else, right? Does that make any sense? no, but but
0: that's okay there
1: there are aspects
0: yeah. of it there are aspects of it I get the the lotto ticket concept I think is what I was really saying no to because i don't I think that if you um you know he's he's been building this company for twenty five years and it's hard to say lotto ticket over that that period of time. Um, I think the concept that there's no formula for it is if you're saying, if you don't have a formula, therefore it's lotto ticket, then sure. Then every entrepreneur that's ever existed, that has built any company that's worth anything. It's a lotto ticket. I, I, I I can't, I can't agree. I can't agree to that.
1: I know very few entrepreneurs that turned into something like a publicly listed company that aren't crediting luck to a significant portion of that. So yeah, maybe lotto ticket is the wrong terminology, but, um, Bezos Gates must, to a certain degree, built great companies and they built great companies because of the people in those companies. And I'm just saying chance played a component. Now, and I'm trying to articulate that Amazon and Microsoft are a different beast than Tesla when you talk about the world's greatest uh, richest person.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. And um I also, on the the luck concept, I I generally, I think luck is really interesting. And we talked about Jim Collins a couple, two or three weeks ago, whenever he had the Tim Ferriss podcast, he has this concept that's the return on luck, which is not, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's not complicated, but it's like, there are certain people that have a higher return on luck than other people, right? Bad luck or good luck. And I I think that's a fascinating concept. And in the business of entrepreneurship and building companies, if you do it over a sustained period of time, you have to have a high return on luck. because there's so like there's so much that can kill you, so fully get that. Cool. We we did the uh, the richest people thing. I think it was interesting. It took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole, so I thought it'd be interesting to bring up. Yeah. Um, the number two thing, and I told you that I I didn't want uh, recent news to be a
1: thing that we focused around. However, can we talk about Jack Ma? I Man, I I've seen the headlines, and I'm a little out of the loop on Jack Ma. You fill me in. So for those that don't know. Jack Ma is, uh, he's the
0: former CEO, founder of Alibaba, a Chinese company that owns nearly every type of business you can think of. You can think of it as a little bit of like the Amazon of, of, of China in some ways, because they just have so many different types of businesses uh, in it. Um, like they have Alipay, which is financial services. They have like an eBay type, Amazon type uh, product, et cetera. Anyway, incredibly wealthy individual. Apparently, no one has seen him since October. So what happened in October is, and this also, this ties back, if you wanna full circle it, right? As my, my girl Missy once said, put your game down, flip it and reverse it. If you take this back to the China mobile conversation, back in October, um, the largest IPO of all time was about to occur in Ant Group, right? Yeah, um, Very big financial organization. Jack Ma is a significant investor in Ant Group. He was giving a talk to, I can't remember, some group. And basically said that uh, Chinese regulation needed to slow down. They need to calm down, right? Get off your soapbox. Stop with the, the horse collaring. I don't know what any of those phrases mean, but I'm going to use them. He said all this about the Chinese government. Chinese government did not like it. They called him into their special quarters. Yes. Next thing you know, uh, Ant Group no longer has an IPO. And apparently no one
1: has seen Jack Ma. Yes, this is so great. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, like, is he locked up? Probably. Can we say that? I'm going to so
0: uh, not say that dead? that's the case. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt here. So here, here's, my, here's my hypothesis. Although this has many, many holes, right? My hypothesis is that what happened actually was the, I don't think the Chinese government kidnapped him. I don't think he's in a holding cell. I don't think they took him out. I think what happened was he ran his mouth off they said you have got to like we're, we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna do a bunch of investigating into like your companies right and make sure that they're not doing stuff that we don't agree with during that time zero out of you i want i want i want i don't want people to know that you are alive if you open your mouth no. we will shut you down because they can i mean they, that's, they can basically no, that's- they-
1: but that's way too rational. That's not the Chinese government. Oh, hey, we're going to do some investigating and, and be a good boy. No, it's like it, that's not how things work over there. OK, we're, we're going to get into your Chinese
0: politics expertise right after this. However, I do think that this this plugs in uh, to our prior conversation a little bit because he is the Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates yeah. of China. It, it just like independent. This, this I'm not talking about, you know, Putin. Right, who says, like if we wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead. Yeah. That is I think China is a is a bit of a different beast than that right now. I think they're 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 too much on the world circuit to take out their Bill Gates. Like that feels I could be wrong. And like if, if I am wrong, case you, pizza, be- or whatever they say <laughs> in Italy. Uh,
1: so if you're wrong, yeah, I mean all that will happen is you'll be fired from the podcast. But uh That's I true. no, I, I disagree actually. I think um I read something a while back or i read some speculation there was in addition to the criticism of the chinese government that never goes over well in china he was also thought as like the bill gates of china and they weren't really a fan of that perception you know like they don't really want to be a place where um you think you can Your average citizen thinks you can become the world's greatest entrepreneur and one of the richest people and most powerful people in the country. I I believe they think those spots are should be reserved reserved for people in the government. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I'll have to check out some of the speculation these days. We'll
0: see. We shall see. The uh, you know the truth is going to come out and. What's what's going to happen is we're just going to learn that Jack Ma decided to retire and just trade China Mobile and OTC.
1: No, listen, the truth is not going to come out. This is why I don't own Chinese stocks. You can't even trust the financials, in my opinion. So I'm not going to trust the news about Jack Ma necessarily. Like um, they'll put out some story with a pretty picture of him drinking tea or something and claim that he's the world's happiest man. And he could still be in the holding cell. Fishbowl number two, done. I liked it. Here,
0: let's, here's a, I'm going to dip into my, my personal fishbowl right now. So, we talked what, like a decade or so ago about my, uh, my thoughts on buying a house.
1: Oh, right? did we ever? And I can't believe you remember that conversation, but I remember that conversation. Broadly speaking, I won't even, I'm not even going to revisit exactly what we talked about there. But what I will
0: say is I have about, I'd say, six to 8% interest in owning a house my wife has 115% interest in owning a house. So needless to say, in about five hours, we're gonna be looking at houses. Now, the question that I'm, cause you know, I go into rabbit holes. I go down rabbit holes and and it fits into, you know, generally good investments, bad investments, et cetera. So I, I've started going down this route of the rent versus buy, you know, yep. thing. And so the question that I, I wanna to pose to you for you to like then kick this conversation forward is, should I buy a house as a investor? Know, um
1: it, it's really important that you um that you give like just a two minute background on why you've been adverse to it or or why you've hesitated so far um because I bought my first house when I was twenty two twenty three and um so that's been a staple that's been part of my investing life, right? It was just something I didn't even really Growing up, I didn't really know anyone that didn't own a house. So it was like just what you did. Um, but so, yeah, give a little background there and then I'll, I'm going to kill you with thoughts on this. Okay. So um, macro background,
0: I'll say, is I'll talk about the thing, a thing that I like and a thing that I um, dislike. I have the, on the dislike column, I have an aversion toward debt. So the conversation we had 10, 12 years ago was if I'm going to buy a house I wanna be able to buy that house in cash. Yep. Uh, not that I necessarily would, right? But I would say I'll, I'll take out enough debt but know that I can cover that debt at any moment, right? And so it'll be, it'll be good for credit rating, et cetera. But I'm gonna pay, like, I'm gonna pay that off pretty quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: The second thing is I have a, uh, a like of a thing I like to call cash. Uh, it's, it's partially, there's like the cash that you hold for emergencies, et cetera. But also when you think about the investments that I do like, Right, I I feel like I can do more with cash in the stock market than I can do in other places. And so, if I'm going to be clunking down, if you take the first one, like large amount of cash is going to be dispersed to go into a house if I buy it. And what I believe that I can do with cash otherwise, as an investment, it's something that doesn't for me make sense to put a lot of cash into. Like I would rather put that into into something else. And so that that's where that's like my macro view. On, on why from an investing standpoint, like a house hasn't been it. The other, the other thing I'll say, I'll just throw in is, uh, I know there are some people that owning a house is a thing that like emotionally, right? That they've just wanted to do, and I don't have yet. that. And so I yep. can see, even if the, the money doesn't play out, where if, if owning a house is important to you, fantastic. Uh, for me, like I've never had that. I don't, have, I, don't, I don't wanna paint my walls lime green. I don't wanna put, you know, any paint, you look at my wall,
1: white. <laughs> right? Yeah. No I, got interest. A tree. I got a tree in my office and you, you went all out nothing. is what you did. You went like, all out, out is what you did. Pictures back here.
0: I do have a poster on the ground over here. I got a poster on Yeah, on the floor, but not I even up the next so, time I talk to
1: you. So, so here's anyway. the good news. You get, you get the best of both worlds. There's no reason your investing life should change drastically with the purchase of a house and interest rates are insane. So Um, when I first bought, when I bought my first house, I think it was 2006, um, my interest rate was around 6%, which, um, in very few times in the history of the U S like 30 year treasury had the U S treasury been, you know, below 5%. So basically for, you know, a 23 year old kid is buying a house at insane mortgage rates. This is back in 2006, as I mentioned. Today, you can get half that or less than half that. You can be talking about rates less than 3%. And as we know, a monkey throwing darts on a basic portfolio of equities can perform way more than 6% or 3%, right? Your China Mobile holding that you love so much has a 6% dividend. So the thought about taking out debt at less than 3% is an entirely different realm and conversation than it has been historically like the rates are so low that I think um you got to strongly consider that but I'd like to talk a little numbersies, but they can be like really rough I mean these can be made up things so let's throw out a number I don't know if it's like 2,000 bucks I don't know if it's more or less for current rent and what you think your mortgage might be again let's just have some round numbers to talk about because I wanna articulate that I think you can do this without really any sacrifices to your investing life. Okay, so let's just say two grand. You name that figure, let's assume it's that. Right, so let's say you're currently paying rent two grand. Um, If you buy a house, would that be in the same ballpark or would there be a step change? For simplicity, let's just say yes. First and foremost, um, and I'm gonna, let's say 500K, like that's a nice round number. Let's say that's what you're buying. Now, are you have you thought about 10% down, 20% down, less, more, anything in terms of cash payment there? Well, what's been thrown at me is uh,
0: 20% down is what gets you out of PMI, uh, private mortgage insurance. Yep. And so, and I've heard that that's what I should aim for that. And so 20 plus is where I'm sitting, but I, I haven't done enough into just dipping my toe in, right? Five hours going out in the market, which is a big deal for me. But so I haven't like done a lot of research there, but I assume it's going to be twenty percent or more.
1: Okay, um, yeah. So simplicity's sake, we're going to say twenty percent. Gosh, twenty percent down. So that is the that's the major sacrifice you're making, right? Because that money could be invested in the stock market. Um, I'd like to look at PMI rates currently, and I'm sure you'll do this analysis at a deep dive. But this is where I think you could argue that 20 percent down's 10k, 100k 10 10% percent down would be 50k i think you could do an analysis that says you know what i want to actually i don't mind paying pmi because the dividends on my investments of 50k are going to easily pay off my pmi and and so much more um the dividends on my delisted securities are going to pay more
0: yeah. yeah agreed
1: yeah uh But other than that, is that all you're talking about? That initial cash outlay? Because other than that, basically, if you're paying 2K in rent right now and you would have a 2K mortgage, uh, for simplicity's sake, gosh, $600, $700 of that would go towards paying down your debt every month. The rest would go towards paying interest and the rest would go to taxes and mortgage insurance and whatever else, right? So you're the $2,000 you spend right now gets cut in half. And the, I know it's not exactly this way, but renting like the 2000 bucks kind of disappears. Like there's no chance of you really seeing that again, when you're paying down a mortgage, 600 bucks of that comes back to you every month in terms of paying off that debt. And that debt is so cheap right now that it's almost free money.
0: Yeah, one one thing that's interesting is we're also at the lowest supply that we like, I don't know if it's in history, but it's in a very long time from the housing market. And so I don't know how the, the low debt versus higher prices actually um, is going to pan out. I'll figure all that stuff out and figure out the PMI. Agreed. I think that's yeah. a really interesting uh, analysis to do. The other thing for me, um, and this will surprise you because of how much of a man's man I am. But the other thing that is like is the lifetime of inconvenience. Right now, so the situation we're in right now, yeah. our rental, amazing landlord, has so much pride in this place. When anything goes wrong, he's like all over it, loves it. Like we have a good relationship, etc. And so I'm I'm also thinking like there's this cash outlay from an investor standpoint that feels highly uncomfortable. And then yeah. a lifetime. Like you don't remember lifetime movies?
1: I'm talking a romance. In the house, we subscribe to the Lifetime Movie Channel. And by we, I mean my wife. But uh yes, I know all about Lifetime movies. Yeah. So So, lifetime of of inconvenience. But that's that's a that's different than the investing decision. Um, or at least that could be quantified. Because I'm you're getting so fiery, you're like slamming that mic. I've I've not seen you this fiery. Oh, I love this stuff. Um so one, like I'm with you. right? I hate mowing the lawn. And uh, at the moment I have AstroTurf in my backyard and you know how much time that's going to free up for me every weekend? Like there's um, it's so astute of you to even consider like what it means when the doorknob breaks and there's no one to call to fix it. Well, you can outsource those relationships like you can have someone that does doorknobs paint everything. It just costs money. Um, and you can budget that in and yes, that's included in your 2000 bucks a month for rent, but it's not going to cost you 600 bucks a month per my point that when you're paying down your own mortgage, you're coming out on top. You just don't see that immediately. Like you see that 30 years down the road. Um, so I think you just need to build that into your model.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. The beauty, the beauty of all of this is I have spreadsheets for everything. I'm going to build, I will build a model. It's going to spit out whatever it spits out. And then my wife is going to tell me what we're going to do. Yeah. Your model doesn't matter at all. You're buying a house. It it, it, it matters for my own like academic, like uh, fun times. And I actually, I don't say that in the sense of like, this is not a, uh, you know, whatever my wife says goes happy wife, happy life kind of thing. Cause actually she makes the best decisions for our family. (laughs) Like, so I, I think that is the way that it should work. Um, however, but it, it is going to be a, it's going to be a fun academic exercise. I don't know where it ends up, uh, going, but I, but I, I appreciate going back and forth with you on it. Cause there are a few things that you've, you kind of spit into my, my mentals, um, that'll be good to play with, even if, even in the non-binary decision of yes, no, but of, of how, how much, when do we, uh, put down, how much do we put down all that kind of stuff? I think it's a good food for thought
1: to the high level, like your first question, not even, not even like a house to live, just like, well, is it a good investment? Like there's a really reason I'm not, I don't own like four rental properties. Right. I think value stocks, um, destroy rental properties in most cases all day, every day, 24, seven, 365. Um, it I've done that analysis a bunch and I completely understand what the appeal of rep- rental properties, I completely understand the type of person that feels that physical asset is really valuable. And um, there's an entirely different approach. I have a, a good friend uh, growing up, every time the stock market went down 20%, they freaked out, sold all their equities in their 401k, um, cursed the stock market. It never made any sense to them. They now own, six rental properties and with the same amount of cash outlay and it's comfortable and it feels safe. And it's like this farmer's mentality or something. Like I totally get that. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but no, if you just have cash, I think you're going to agree with me here. Like there's ways to do it with equities where you can significantly outperform real estate. And that's why we are where we are. But in the case of you actually have to have some place to lay your head, it's not that simple anymore. It's not just about what the investment is. It's about uh, I have this inconvenience of having to have a place to live. Like, how do I maximize that in a way that takes in all these factors, some of which are purely financial and some of which, like you mentioned, are, I want to be able to paint the walls green. Now that's not you, but that might be people in your family. You know, like, so there's a lot of non-financial factors when it comes to your primary residence in my eyes. I think that's right. The, the, uh, there was
0: one other thing that, uh, that came across in my readings, which I, I thought was interesting. You may say this feels obvious, but I'm going to throw it out because I, in this camp, I will say I am the average person when it's, I'm just like, researching all this stuff of real estate. And I thought this was fascinating, is that if you, uh, if you look at homeowners and where they end up from a wealth perspective at the end of their lives, and you look at non-homeowners and where they end up, homeowners crush non-homeowners. The reason being, I know this the reason <laughs> go Can I finish what's the reason can, can I finish so the reason is not that uh like the value of the homes appreciated so much and so therefore um like that's like the the beacon of their wealth the reason is because of forced savings it's because it is a it's a mechanism where people that generally might not be saving and would be spending money are now they're forced to save money that they're putting into equity and it's that forced savings like muscle effectively being built that is then a, like it's for, it's it's pushed them into a place where they now almost automatically are in a place where they're going to have greater wealth at the end i thought that was really interesting i don't think that that necessarily applies to me and my family because of how we like generally operate but i think for the average investor the average person i think it's a fascinating and really like enlightening fact
1: yeah so that's my number one talking point when i talk to people about mortgages actually and I, I didn't get there with you but that was where i was going so it but it tells you so much about the human brain and the mindset and so some people will go to me uh, i get this question several times a year like hey i have a bunch of extra money uh, effectively at really cheap lending rates like what should i do with that or like, you know, or it could be going back to the how much cash do I put down thing? Like, how much should I keep invested? Or how much should I put down? Well, that forced saving piece is the absolute key. So when you talk about when you talk about those decisions between paying down, say, extra debt on your mortgage, right? Let, let's actually, this is the way to talk about it. So let's say you take out a 30 year mortgage, but you decide you really don't like debt and you want to pay that off in 10 years so then uh in a year we're going to have the debate about like how much should i pay off versus how much should i invest right and that becomes in my eyes a forced savings conversation it's like well you will probably in all likelihood if you're really smart about your investments outperform um by investing that in equities but Are you actually going to take the extra 500 bucks that you had earmarked to pay down your mortgage and put it in equities and never touch it for the next 30 years, or are you going to take that 500 bucks, put it somewhere and be feel super rich and then actually spend a significant portion of that in that case, paying down your mortgage, even at super low interest rates probably makes more sense because of the, that money disappears mentally and you can never touch it again, verse oh my goodness, have you seen my equity account and the balance right now? Like I want a new computer and I want a new car. I'm just going to buy that. Um, Obviously, the second case leads you to much less wealth than the first case, even though the second case probably has a higher potential for return, right? If you could get people to do that with anything else in their life, I mean, people do that with retirement savings once they get comfortable with it. And I'm sure you've heard of uh, Save More Tomorrow, which is oh what brilliant economics book i think it's uh i think it's the chicago guys i think it is a nudge uh thaler and is that solenstein or cass whatever i i forget his last name at the moment but uh um, the, the uh the ghost from scrooge <laughs> no <laughs> have you just save more tomorrow ring a bell
0: no never heard of it
1: all right so basically Let's say you're dealing with someone who doesn't save it all for their retirement account, right? And you, the most financial advisors come to them and be like, "You have to save between 10 and 15%." And they go, "There's no freaking way. Like I can't pay my bills as it is. Like why you expect me to cut my pay by 15%?" No, what you do is you say, "Let's start small. Let's put like 3% of your salary aside. You will probably feel it. Every year when you get a 2% raise, we're going to take 1% of that and divert it to your retirement savings. So year two, you're saying you go from three to four, then you go to four to five, a decade later, you're saving 15% ish and you never even felt the income because you never felt yeah. that pain. Right. Um, Cause you still get more in your paycheck every year. You just don't get quite as much more. You only get a 1% raise instead of a 2% raise. So all that forced saving stuff, uh, I'll stop. But like, That is the key. If you can do that with your retirement, with your savings, with your mortgage, you're gonna be in such good shape long-term. That was the least dumb thing I've ever heard you say.